The estate planning team is an Ohio registered investment advisor. The following is for informational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities or financial products. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advice and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. You have financial goals and dreams. We can help you achieve them. Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Financial food for thought. Got Mark Donnelly and Carrie Waddell. Summer, you're so Carrie's told me always that summer's not over yet. No, but of course, this is your favorite summertime song, isn't it? No, I was gonna say not at all. One of mine. Yeah, I was gonna. This is the great Janis Joplin. Oh, I thought I was gonna guess her because. Yeah, if you don't know her, you kind of got her voice is kind of unique. Yeah, I don't. It's a live version from 1969. I'm sure a lot of people hate me for saying this, but that's rough. <laughs> so is this the summer where good news becomes good news again? Mm. Uh, so we got the inflation data this week, and let's pick up from there. Ed Yardeni of your, your Denny Research, Ed, it is great to have you here. You know, Kerry, I talk about Ed Yardeni all the time. Right. right. He's, a, he's, I just, he's one of the guys I think really you know he has unique perspective a long-term perspective and he kind of tells you like it is a day like this to talk inflation and the impact on the market how are you today i'm fine thank you all right big question here what does the cpi read mean for the economy and what does it mean for the markets obviously two separate things well i think certainly with the benefit of hindsight it seems that uh inflation has turned out to be somewhat more persistent persistent in some areas and transitory in other areas. So it hasn't been just across the board uh, persistence. In fact, uh, we've seen a, a very transitory situation in the goods markets. Goods inflation has come down r- rather dramatically, down basically to zero. Uh, now I think we're starting to see disinflation in the services side. Okay, so this is a debate, Kerry, right? The, the, everyone knows that the goods inflation has peaked and is on the way down. You know, price of eggs is no longer $3. It's back to... I think I'm paying under a dollar fifty now again. Oh, are you? I got a dollar ninety nine. I thought I was happy about the, um, but I got the extra large. And gasoline at the <laughs> pump is down. Yeah, I don't get the extra large. The gasoline pump is down, um, and things like that. The problem, though, is the services. There's still a lot of revenge spending going on. There's still a lot of travel and people, mm-hmm. you know, and spending money. Right. And that's the wealth gap we have in this country. Right. And that's where you have to kind of look at what's happening with the labor market, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, and see, you know, because if the labor market stays tight and wages, companies have to continue to pay higher wages to attract workers. It, I, I don't know if this, if the, if the services inflation comes down. Particularly the rent component, which is 40% of this, of the CPI. So I think, that inflation continues to moderate. I think some of the inflation we've had was related to the pandemic, the shocks of the pandemic, and they're dissipating. Uh, and as we uh, move forward here, I think uh, inflation concerns will abate as uh, an impediment to a continuation of economic growth. I mean, we did have a mini recession back there in uh, 2020. I think we're still in an economic expansion. I think we've uh, we've been in a rolling recession. If we've been in a recession at all, it's been a rolling one, and now I think we're in a rolling expansion. All right, so yeah, you're saying inflation concerns abate. Is that for the market? Is that for the consumer? Is that for the Fed? We had several Fed speakers out today, Kashkari, Barkin, both of them saying post-CPI, inflation is still too high. Are you listening to those hawkish voices? Is there another Fed speaker that you're listening to for insight? Well, no, they, they, they seem to uh, sort of 
sort of have a, uh, a split personality when it comes to uh, what they're doing. Uh, on the one hand, when they get together as a committee and put out the projections of uh, the, the, the summary of economic projections where they put in their forecasts, they've been uh, really forecasting for some time that they would get the Fed funds rate up to five, five and a half percent. And that would be restrictive enough that if they left it there, that inflation would come down. So I, I guess they don't want to... They don't want to use the expression mission accomplished. Yeah, they don't want to use that term. Uh, but I think to a large extent, they, they have achieved their mission, which was to get the Fed funds rate up to a restrictive level and keep it there. I'm not in the camp that thinks the Fed funds rate is coming down anytime soon. I think they've done a pretty good job. And I, I know it's usually... Uh, 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 there you go. So has Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve, Kerry, successfully navigated this soft landing? Um, you know, you, you've got the... You know, the inflation is coming down. We'll look at the CPI and the PPI numbers here in a minute. Um, you know, in, uh, unemployment's at 3.6%. We got a positive GDP. Don't look now, but the S&P 500 is up, what, 17% year-to-date? Wow. You know, we're taping the show on Friday. I don't know what it's doing today. Uh, the NASDAQ, you know, climbing the wall of worry is up 35%. Um, gold's up 7.5% year-to-date. Um, beating the Dow, you know, the Dow's the lagger, only up 3.75% year to date. But I don't know, you know, it, so the good news, we'll, we'll look at the PPI and the CPI numbers. Are you seeing any, are you getting more confident at home about maybe we're going to skate by here without a major recession? Are you still in the camp that believes, you know, we've got a Thanksgiving recession coming? We'll talk about that. Um, and also, you know, with this inflation that's been varying greatly over the last couple of years, it's kind of causing havoc with all those colas. You know, the cost right. of living increases. Oh, you know, yeah. Social Security and Medicare B premiums, stuff like that. So we'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, also, uh, I'm going to talk about the latest financial scam that uh, that actually, you know, victimized a Westlake grandmother. Karen. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say there's financial scams out there all the time. Yeah. Um, and of course, we've got the, you know, President Biden's Plan B for student loan student loan debt, debt relief. Uh, talk a little bit about that. That's of course in the in the top news. Um, and then also, I want to kind of continue what I was working on last week, or on, well, I was speaking with on last week's show. You can always go back and catch the podcast here. You're going to give the, everyone information on that here in a minute. But just the idea about, you know, how do you protect yourself from what the industry calls the IRA RMD tax trap. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing if you've got a $500,000 in your IRA as you're going in retirement. It's another thing if you've got three to four million. And right. that's the wealth gap in this country. And I know a lot of people are listening saying, Mark, I don't even have that 500000 Mm -hmm. um, but that's the idea. You That's why you don't ask your neighbor right. what their IRA distribution plan is. You don't ask your coworker. It may not be the plan that your parents follow. You have to kind of do this for yourself. And it's hard to kind of run those numbers in your head. And I started that discussion last week. I'm going to continue it this week. So, Carrie, why don't you All right. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 AM, and we're a financial educational talk program talking about issues, financial news, and hopefully making aware our, our listeners aware of issues and choices, opportunities, and problems, and just really trying to get people to be proactive when it comes to their financial life. We're sponsored by the Estate Planning Team, which is an Ohio-registered fiduciary planning firm. We do financial modeling, number crunching. Um, we help people analyze financial choices, whether it's timing of Social Security, pension elections, um, IRA distribution planning, Roth conversions, or I want to buy a new home scenario. I know it's you've talked about the wealth that, or can I afford to retire? And if I retire now, what does that translate to spending I can do? And we can do that through those modeling and different number crunching. So if people have objective analysis, they're more comfortable making those decisions. Most people can keep track of numbers or at least know that they're going to be okay and not run out of money. Or if you're in the camp that isn't worried about running out of money, 
could you be spending more? And spending can mean different things to many people. I was talking to a client, I know we record on Fridays, but this morning, and she was like, well, I really don't want to spend money. And I was like, well, spending can also mean making your life easier. And we were talking about, you know, what are things that you're doing around your yard or your house that maybe you shouldn't be doing um, or don't want to be doing anymore to make, like, if you're going to have money that you, you know, you're never going to run out, maybe you need to do things to make your life easier so that you have the freedom. Because sometimes people have all these to-do lists. And if you can pay someone to do that with spending, I mean, spending can mean a lot of different things. I know people automatically go to the cars, the high-end hobbies, the travel, but spending can mean many different things. And, you know, you worked hard for it. You have this big pile of money. A lot of people are worried about tapping into the principal because that philosophy of don't spend, you know, don't spend your principal. Um, but at some point you need to start spending that principal um, and use that money for whatever you want to use it for. And maybe you don't like your job anymore. Whatever that is, we might be able to help. We offer a free no obligation consultation. We're happy to do those by phone or in person. So you can see if our process is appropriate for you um, and if and how we may be able to help you. And if you want to take advantage of a free consultation, you can give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. That's financialfoodforthought.com. All right. So are you in the camp like Ed Yardini, who's saying that the Fed has successfully navigated this soft landing? Of course, he put an asterisk and said that he doesn't want to jinx anything, but and, and of course, the Federal Reserve has a dual mandate. One is, you know, a, a stable uh, pricing, which keeping inflation low. The other one is uh, the low unemployment and full, full working um, in America. So let's go. So let's go real quickly here with CPI numbers. So we'll start with headline. Well, and then we'll look at year over year. So year over year headline came in at 3.0%. Now, a year ago in June, it was 9.1%. That's the big drop. Mm -hmm. um, so that was the peak last June. So from last June, year over year, annual headline CPI, 9.1, then 8.5, then 8.3, then 8.2, then in October, 7.7, .7, November, 7.1, ended the year December at 6.5. Okay, now we started this year in January, 6.4. Then six point. Then in March five point oh. Then in April four point nine. May four point oh. This month June three point oh. Hmm. Does that, can anyone say there isn't a trend down? That's not even a jagged peak. That is coming down. Okay. Uh, now you could also look at month over month, which is more even more current look. Just you know what's happening in the last thirty days. This is a little bit more jagged. So for June, it came in at 0.2%, a little bit higher than the previous May that came in at 0.1%. But, you know, going back it's from last, you know, peak June of, of last year, where the month over the month was 1.3%, you know, then it was, um, then it dipped down in July to zero. Then it would tip back up to 0 0.1, then up to 0 0.4, stayed at 0 0.4 for another month, then ticked back down to 0 0.1, ended the year at 0 0.1. These are the monthly amounts, right? So, mm -hmm. so then starting in this year, you had uh, January was 0 0.5, February 0 0.4, March 0 0.1, April 0 0.4, you know, May 0 0.1, June 0 0.2, a little bit more of a jagged peak, you know, so, so, you know, that's on the month to month, but you also, you know, want to look at core, which excludes food and energy because that's what the adults in the room do because it's too, if you, if you were relied and made all your decisions based on how oil prices fluctuate right. and, and food prices, you would never get, you would drive you crazy. Um, like we were just, you know, saying, you know, the price of eggs is down what 73% since mm -hmm. it's peak. So are you going to assume that all your other expenses are going down by that much? Of course not. You know, right. that's why you, you, you don't do it both ways. But so how did core CPI come out? So again, annual year over year came in at 4.8%, which is clearly lower and showing a trend down. So if we looked at core headline or I mean core annual CPI, 
right? Going back to last June, it was 5.9, then July 5.9, August 6.3, September 6.6. That might have been the new peak of core, had, you know, core mm-hmm. uh, CPI annual. Then October 6.3, November down to 6.0, ended the year at 5.7. Then January was 5.6, February 5.5, March 5.6, April 5.5. You see the kind of the jagged peak here. Um, or, you know, May 5.3, and now down last month to 4.8. Um, and then I won't go through the, you can also look at core month to month. I'm not going to go through those carries, but that came in at 0.2, a lot, you know, a lot lower than the previous month of 0.4. So there you go. So now, but what it's interesting is that what the experts are saying, Carrie, it's one thing to come down to where we're at right now. It's quite another now to come down from this point to get to the Fed's target of 2%. Okay, and that's what, you know, that discussion at the beginning of the show was kind of getting at. Um, so they call that the base effect. And basically what it is, because if you, if you look at the annual, you know, you, you've gone from 9% to 3%. Mm-hmm. Well, that wreaks havoc with the math when you right. look out the annual and how much is coming down and stuff because it's it was such a fluctuation. So it's not like we're you know it's not going to keep that same pace. That's why it's a lot harder for the to get to the Fed's target from where we're at right now. Um, and again, it's it, it and that's why the Federal Reserve they actually really care about um, what's happening in the services x housing. Remember, because rent is another one that's tough to, to navigate. Mm-hmm. And and but um, but re- when they look at services x housing inflation, that's really a statistics that's driven by real wages, and that's kind of getting to the what maybe we really need to be worried about. So, what is the Federal Reserve going to do? Well, I think right now, I think they will raise in July. I think they will skip in September, and the real question becomes, what do they do in November? And I think that is going to be the determining factor. Now, I've been talking about the, you know, the, 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 the so-called Thanksgiving recession, right? So I think it's going to be really interesting what the Federal Reserve does in November. Um, but it still indicates that it's still time to build your fixed income ladder, Carrie, mm-hmm. right? Because I think these higher rates, I don't think the Federal Reserve is done raising rates yet. So it, you may still be able, you know, if you haven't started doing that, you know, if you've been sitting on cash on the sidelines, because this is money that you're saying, Mark, I'm never going to put back into the market. I have my money in the market. Right. And we're not talking about selling your stocks and, and doing this. We're saying we're talking about money that you've decided you can't afford any more risk in the market. Right. So this is money that's never going into the market. It's sometimes we call that your cash reserve, right? And we got into the practice with the low interest rates. It didn't matter if you just left it under the mattress or in your savings account or if you put into a one-year or two-year CD. You, the banks weren't paying any more than if you just left it under the mattress. Right. It's not the case anymore. So now if, you, if you've got that situation where you are concerned that we could still have a recession um, and that you, you know you're not, this is money that you're not going to put back into the market, um, all right, then are you building your fixed ladder? You know, are you building, you know, you got your cash reserve and you got your six month, 12 month, 18 month, 24 month, whatever CDs. And then if you want to lock in that four or 5% rate while you can, you want to lock that in longer, you want to go four years, five years, then you can, you know, go into the, you know, the MIGAs, the, the multi-year guarantee annuities. And, and that's a, a good way to say now, because the idea is if you're, if you're doing your 60, 40 portfolio and 40% of your, on the fixed side is doing four to 5%, that goes a long way to trying to get your total of 5% what you're planning on in your plan for your 60, 40 mm-hmm. portfolio. So, um, that, those are kind of things you want to be watching. Then, so, but what also, what, what happens with these inflation rates, it kind of gives us an idea of what some of the cost of living increases right. are going to be, um, or inflation on, on the expense side. So now uh, we've been talking about this. So everyone wants to know, Mark, where's Social Security increase going to be next year? Cause, you know, everybody liked that 8.7%. Right. You know, you but know. I've seen headlines that they're anticipating it to be much, much, much lower. Well, of course. That's the difference. Why, that's what why, we're why wouldn't talking it about. be? Yeah. Um, where, but I'm saying there's already been headlines on right. so speculation. The, right. So the one of the think tanks, 
you know, the Senior Citizens League, their latest, based on the latest inflation numbers that we got this month, is they're saying they're estimating it to be 3% okay. for next year. Okay. Um, and the, okay, so, you know, it was 8.7% this year. The year before that, it was 5.9%. That mm-hmm. was that inflation that, right. that started, right? And now we're on the in disinflation, so it's going to come back down. So what do we do at the estate planning team for our clients? Well, we kind of keep our eye on like a 10-year rolling average, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, because it, it, it seems to even things out. So if let's assume that it is going to be 3%. Next year in 2024, the, the Social Security cost of living increase. All right. So now we can, I can just, you know, show you what those rolling averages are, Carrie. So if you want to use a three year average, you'd be using 5.87%. Seems pretty high to me, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, a five year rolling average, 4.1%. The 10 year, that's the one we tend to keep our eye on at the state planning team. So the 10-year Social Security COLA rolling average, about 2.73%. Okay. Okay. If you want to go a little bit longer, 15 years, now we're getting into some of the downsides. Okay. Um, 15-year rolling average, about 2.27%. And I'm, I can go here 19 years back, Carrie. That's as far as I'll go right now. 19 years back, uh, if you want to look at a 19-year Social Security COLA rolling average, about 2.61%. So you can see we're in that range. Now, as a planning team, we're currently using 2.5%. So we're still under the 10-year or even the 19-year rolling average, a little bit higher than the 15-year rolling average. But the point is, for our clients, we'll use whatever one you want us to use. Some people want us to still use the 1.8 we used for a long time. Some people want to assume a cut in Social Security. Sure. That's the beauty of modeling. We can change any variable. Now, the other side of this is what's going to happen to Medicare B premiums. Mm. So currently, I'm just going to do tier one level. Of course, you know how much you pay in Medicare premiums is directly related to how much income you have, right? right. It's progressively weighted. But the starting right now, a 65-year-old this year pays $164.90 a month for Medicare B. Projections are that's going up to $174.80 next year okay about a six percent increase okay um which is a lot higher than again if you looked at a 10-year average or something like that but so if you're trying to do that math at home you would you know now we have been you know the health insurance one of the things when we build a model for our clients that's one of the expenses that we don't bury in with all the other expenses. No, we keep that separate. Yeah, because especially for couples, because you might not always be on the same health care plan. Right. Um, you might not be the same age. You might not be going on Medicare at the same time. You might not be choosing the same Medicare supplemental or Medicare yeah. Advantage And if you're plan. before Medicare and you're on your own health care plan and you're paying for it out of pocket, it might be a lot more expensive, which I'm surprised some people don't realize that. If you retire before 65 and you can't go on a spouse or other plan, the price tag for health care coverage is expensive. Right. And and also, so so what we've been now, we've we, historically we used 5%. You know, as some client recommends what we use, uh, we recommend 5% on health insurance premiums and increases annually. Um, we have upped that to a lot of our clients to 5.5%. Um, whether we up it to 6%, some of our clients want to use, are telling me to use higher than that. That's the beauty of our model. Mm-hmm. We can use whatever, you know, inflation that gives you the peace of mind that you got to cover. Um, the other thing too is we also got the PPI, the producer price index, mm-hmm. which is also, again, an indicator of what's happening to the consumers later on. And Carrie, that came in, um, you know, that, that came in pretty good too. So just, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, but this is, you know, the prices down at the factory gate, right? So, you know, so the headline annual year over year, 2.4%, you know, beginning of the year was 6% carry. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can see that that has also come down tremendously. Um, what was it last June, last June, for example, it was 11.3%. 
Okay. <laughs> so from last June to this June, it's gone from 11.3% to 2.4%. Wow. Okay. Um, and then you can also, you know, so there you go. So yeah, it, it's clearly there's indicators that inflation has peaked. It's on the way down. Now, again, you'll hear a lot of talking heads and, you know, they'll be saying, I don't hear too many talking heads talking about hyperinflation anymore, Carrie. No. I think that those have been fine. Well, I think that was just ridiculous. Yeah, a lot of that is scare tactics. It may be trying to sell you a product, but, and they're saying that they can, you know, perhaps, you know, you know. Or I think give it's so shocking, drip. but I think, I think more like, well, I'm sure they're trying to get you lit, but I don't think people really understand the word hype. And you've spent time on this show talking about the true meaning of hyperinflation. I just think they're just using it more of a general term of ongoing because true hyperinflation is a whole different ballgame. Yeah, We're the, all in trouble. Right. The unofficial definition of hyperinflation is where you have 50% price increases monthly, mm-hmm. not annually, monthly. Right. Um, now, the or it's also scare tactics in a sense they're trying to buy your vote. They're trying to you know blame the inflation on one political party or the other. So whoever they're trying to get the vote for, and if inflation's rising, of course they're going to blame it on the current you know po- politician. Of course, I don't think the president really has anything to do with inflation. Now you could say the stimulus spending had a lot to do with inflation. Yes, that's true. But remember that was a bipartisan you know stimulus package. Um, now. Um, and and Carrie, I know you never are upset about government spending. Carrie, I know that you know um, you never you know worry about that. Um, all right, yeah. So and also to talking about shock lines or you know trying to get your attention. Be careful of the scams that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie, how long have we been doing this show? Oh, of twenty years. And. How Plus. often are we, t- and don't we see the same scams right. happening over and over again? Mm-hmm. So this is out of my West Shore Sun newspaper okay. this week, you know, the weekly police blotter, you know, Westlake. A resident came to Westlake Police Department to report that she had fallen victim to fraud. The woman had received a phone call from someone claiming to be an officer with the Atlanta Police Department. Okay. The caller told the victim that her grandson was incarcerated after being caught in a car with guns and drugs. Okay. The caller said the grandson needed bond money, which the Atlanta Police Department would accept via eBay gift cards. (laughs) The victim bought the cards and provided the numbers to the scammers before discovering she was victim to fraud. And I think that's just a grandma being scared, which is in just trying to help, loves her grandson. But she made the discovery when she called her grandson and confirmed that he was not in jail. Right. eBay said they would try to stop the card payment, according to, you know, now. So, and this has happened over and over and over again. So here, grandparents, when you get a call, and someone says that your grandson is in jail and needs bond money, you know what? You take down their name and number, and you say, hey, I'll call you right back. And before you do anything else, call your grandson. But here's the thing. Some people will call in a really soft voice, I've heard, saying they're your grandson. Grandma, I need help. Guess what? Now, if you don't have your phone number to your grandson, call your son. Or your daughter, and ask, they're going to have and, and it. say, "Hey, do you know? By the way, son, do you know that uh, your son is in jail in Atlanta and needs bond right. money? And let them confirm whether that's right. true or not. Um, okay, um, that'd be a good way to say. It. Now, children, tell your parents, mom, dad, if you get a call saying that your grandson is in jail, don't believe them." Well, and I think even more importantly, no matter what the scam is, if someone calls you and tells you whether you won something or anything and ask you to go buy gift cards, or I've heard they tell you to go to Walmart and do the Western Union and do the, um, what yeah. is that, whatever, or go yeah. get a money, money, or, or, money. or go get a, a money order or give you, if someone calls you and asks for a credit card, any of those things. 
Don't. If it's even if they say the bank can give you a number, go to your statement. Go online and go like do your own research and call the bank directly. Look at a statement and call that number. Sometimes they're different and sometimes they sound so good and so official, but the scamming, I'm assuming it's a mil- millions industry oh, yeah. that every year. Now, it might not be a phone call. You may get the letter. Carrie is my example too that came in from a client. Right. Send me a letter saying that they had won the lottery. Okay. A lottery, by the way, that they never bought a ticket for. Mm-hmm. Which is a little skeptical at that point, you think, right? Right. Okay. But um, but it looked pretty official. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, Gary, the letter had enclosed a check made payable to them. And it looked really official. They had the right name. They had the right address. It looked like a real check. I saw it, Mark. Um, we are pleased to inform you that you are one of the winners in the second category of the International General Market Survey, draw held April 17, 2023. We therefore acknowledged receiving from the lottery office entry slip attached to your name with serial. They give you serial numbers. You drew the lucky. They give you the lucky winning numbers you supposedly drawn, and you're entitled. And how much did they win, Carrie? Do you remember? Was it six thousand? Five hundred thousand. Okay. Was it or was the initial check? The check was for six. Okay, I was going to say the check was only. So here's the scam. They tell you you just won five hundred thousand. They enclose a check for six thousand nine hundred ninety. They make it official. They don't make round it off to an even number. Sounds oh, they must have really done the math right. Right. You know, so it's six thousand nine hundred ninety. No pennies, but you know now. And they say that. um, And and the idea is that. They say that this six thousand nine ninety, um, the purpose of this check is to enable to you to pay for the tax, insurance, and shipping on when we're going to send you the balance of the five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they want you to deposit the check into your bank account, mm-hmm. and it may be a valid check. But now they have an access to your but then bank account. You get the call or the email saying, "Oh, Mister Smith, there's been an error, and we need to." We call that check that you deposited. So I need your banking instructions. Mm-hmm. And now they just don't take the six thousand you deposited; they empty out your whole bank account. Mm-hmm. So you know, again, now you can say why. And this is a global issue, Carrie. This is oh, just yeah. the U.S. And so, and it's and and the psychologists and everyone is trying to figure out. Why do people still fall for this? Because I think it's always some urgency or like even the IRS, which I got calls for. And I was back and forth one day when I was homesick a few years where they kept saying the sheriff's coming to your door. I was yeah, like, I, remember that. I was like, bring it up. Like, I just messed with them all day. Like, oh, yeah, I, oh, I have fun with them. They call me end up cussing each other out. But yeah, when you they know. ask for the credit card number. Or so, uh, sure. Here is our credit card. Credit card number is one, two, three. F you. You can go. You can go from there. <laughs> then they hang up pretty right. quickly. Um, but the the other thing too Ooh, is that's a good one. Mark. If you <laughs> if you do call and you get some voice you can barely understand because they're calling from Russia or India or mm-hmm. something, that's another you right. know tip off, right? Um, especially and just ask questions, right? Because it, it you know it, usually it, if you start asking questions, they you, hang they up. just hang up right away. Um, all right, but you know so the Dutch Ministry of Economic Affairs they were testing this. Okay, it's just not a U.S. problem. They found that 25%, no, excuse me, 22%, 22% of people who received a suspicious work email about password recovery, you know, that's Carrie when they're saying, you know, there's something tomorrow with oh, your password yeah. and we need to recover it for you. Yeah. So the scammers are trying to go to the employee to break into their company's Okay. Data. Okay, so they're going to the employee and saying there's a problem with your sign in or whatever. We got to redo it. Um, And you know that 22 percent clicked in their password for the scammers. Ooh. Okay, Uh, I'm sure that scares the employers tremendously when they hear a stat like that. Um, Here's one: FBI such scams led to losses of more than 43 billion. Carry between 2016 and 2021. Now, what what do the psychologists say? They say the reason why it's human brain, mm-hmm. okay, it's how we're wired. And the human brain is wired for what they call a truth bias, mm-hmm. meaning that we automatically tag inf- incoming information to be true, mm-hmm. okay? And it, it takes a lot more effort to for our brains 
to relabel it as false. Okay. Because they said if the brain was reversed and said everything was false, you'd be going crazy. They give the example like you would be going, it'd be like when you go to the grocery store for paying that higher inflation. Some of you are maybe checking out the line by line, uh, you know, slip. I do. I watch them ring up everything. (laughs) Kara, you've got truth bias. Um, But they're saying they're using examples. You know, you'd be checking every line over and over again. And then you'd be checking the ingredients on the package to see if they're really there you know it, it would drive america it would drive right. us humans crazy right. if if our brains didn't have this truth bias but anyway so so there are some things about that so again a lot of our clients send us these things carrie we've been doing this a long long time yeah um we've had some we've stopped a lot of clients saying you know mrs and miss smith you really didn't win that 500 what was the one was the i remember the i was thinking one mark it's been 20 years ago but she was a big like gambler she would go on the gambling bus trips and she would play bingo she's right long gone and she she did lottery tickets she won the canadian lottery remember yeah the canadian but and she got a call from the um the lawyer to the president of canada (laughs) was gonna come to her house and pick up a check for the taxes and i was like well, that should give you a clue. Because there ain't no and president. She of yeah, because she wanted someone to come over and just like, yeah. what should she do with the money? And we were like, no. The fact that they're a president of Canada. I mean, but people yeah. will, I mean, especially as people are aging and gullible and yeah. especially play on their emotions, I think, which is absolutely. Emotions and truth bias. And, and the charitable one is a big one, too. Where they'll call and ask for a donation. That donation goes to the usually the fraudster and not you know, the charity themselves. But regardless of that, um, you may want to call the estate planning team for a free consultation to see if there's any area that we may be able to help you with. Or if you want to just make sure that things are in good order. Are you, um, we help people that are both working and thinking about their future retirement or would like to work and maybe do something else. Maybe you don't have to earn as much and you can get out of the rat race. Or if you're in retirement, what are, what things are you missing? What don't you know? What opportunities have just passed you by? Um, and there are plenty of opportunities out there, and that's our job to look at those. Can things be made better? So take advantage of a free no-obligation consultation by phone or in person. Our number is 440-239-2090. That's 440-239-2090, or visit financialfoodforthought.com. All right, and listen to Mark Dolly and Carrie Waddell, and we're the co-owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 36 years. And over those decade carries, we've had to break the bad news to many of our clients who got the Canadian lottery winning or the Jack in the Box lottery winning. Or I don't think we ever had one that said that they got a call that their grandson was in a, a jail and needed. No, but money. I remember somebody. Wasn't that the old man wrecked his car in the Walmart parking lot? I think, and then the family. I mean. Yeah, I so, think one of the attorney generals was really trying right. to crack down. The other thing, too, is, you know, we're, we're talking in the last couple of weeks on the show, I'm talking about Biden's plan B for the student debt loan relief. Now that the Supreme Court has kind of, you know, zipped out his plan A, right? Um, and really, there's two parts to Biden's plan B, Carrie. And one is the part one is, is called the save plan, right? So have you heard this? Okay. Um, this is the, the acronym SAVE for Saving on a Valuable Education. And this is really the change to the, the income-driven repayment plan, right? And, you know, and, and also the idea that if you pay payments for 20 years or maybe 25 years, it's yet to be decided, then the balance of your loan would be forgiven, right? Kind of like the public service one that's in place today for public service workers. Um, so it's really dealing with that. And, you know, the, the U.S. Ed- Department of Education is saying this is the most affordable repayment plan in history. So what does SAVE do? Well, first of all, it, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar with that income-driven repayment plan or if, if, you're, if your child needs to go on that or perhaps a grandchild needs to go on that, you, you know, you may help them out because we know the grandchildren aren't listening to us on the program, um, but they may have student loan debt. Um, so it increases the amount of income that's protected from repayment. It's based on the, you know, the, the poverty guidelines, mm-hmm. right? You know, there's so, so currently 
it's a hundred. It, they give you a figure. It's one hundred and fifty percent of the poverty guideline. So that whatever that is, you don't. You know that doesn't count in what you have available to pay down your student loan debt. That's going up to two hundred twenty-five percent. Mm-hmm. Not quite double, but a, a substantial increase. Um, secondly, for undergraduate loans, it cuts in half the amount you have to pay from uh, of your discretionary income after you mm-hmm. do that first calculation. So currently, it's five percent. Um, no, I'm currently it's ten percent. In other words, right now, after you do that poverty, then you you it calculates what your discretionary income, and then 10% of that has to go to your student loan. They're cutting that in half to 5%. Okay. okay. So, I mean, now, it also, um, for low original loan balances, 12000 or less, um, it makes that payment plan only for 10 years. And then after 10 years, the balance is forgiven. They say that that would cover about 85% of community college, you know, borrowers. Um, the, uh, and it's also includes what we call the on-ramp right now, you know, because again, September 1st, interest starts accruing and October right. 1st, payments are start to begin. But Biden keeps saying he wants to create an on-ramp, you know, so people can get, they, it's not that big shock to their, right. their monthly cash flow. So for, for a year, what they say is it doesn't stop the interest from accruing, but they won't hold any negative if you don't make payments okay. for a year. They don't go to the credit rate agencies and stuff like that. Um, Which so, is nice because you don't want, I mean, you hurt your credit. That's so, going to make things worse. So basically what it's saying is that, so they give the example, if you're a single borrower and you're earning around $32,800, you would have a zero payment. Okay. If, if you want to go with like a household of four, married, right. you know, children, household of four, You'd have a zero payment if your income is below around sixty-seven thousand five hundred. But doesn't that mean the interest is still your balance is still accruing? Yes, that's what I'm saying. So yeah, I don't have to make a payment, but my debt is growing. Now, part two of the plan. Remember, I said there's two parts right. of Plan B. Part two is the more back to replacing what the SCOTUS canned. Right. Right. That's the one-time debt relief. All right. And so it's similar to plan A, you know, except they're not, you know, remember Biden tried to use, you know, the HEROES Act, right? The, the, right. The, that, and he said because the HEROES Act said if there are certain emergencies, they could relieve debt. And the, and Biden tried to say the RONA was an emergency that would qualify. Okay. And, and Supreme Court said, no, the RONA, you know, pandemic doesn't qualify you to, you know, just wipe off 400, right. you know, billion in student loan debt on taxpayers' money. Joe, right. we're not going to let you do that. Okay, so now, so this plan B is using a different part of the a law, a legislation called the Higher Education Act of 1965, Gary. Okay. Um, all right. And But it's a much longer process, and it's more of a bipartisan process, you know, where there's public hearings and there's they form committees with both sides of the party, you know, both party members on it, and they and they try to work this out, They and they try to look at it from all angles. Um, you think that might take a while, Carrie? Mm-hmm. Um, that might not be ready in place by this October when the payments are due. Right. Okay, so, you know, do, you know so if you hear that, and they, and it's, and they have to – kind of negotiate the rulemaking uh, um, and, and see what that. So I don't know. So that's what's going on. We'll keep you posted on that. We mentioned that because obviously we know that maybe our listeners don't have student loan debt. Maybe you do. But a lot of you may have children who have student loan debt or perhaps grandchildren that have student loan debt that you're wondering if you are now going to have to help them pay this now. Right. Now that the moratorium on payments is and and. Does that, can you afford to do that? Right. Okay. Um, and that can, you know, segue us into the idea of how much you're taking out of your IRAs. Right. And that is a huge opportunity or a huge problem for many people that they're not aware of. So last week I dealt with this subject, and sometimes this, we, this is referred to the IRA RMD tax trap. You know, the idea that if you were just planning on following the government's required minimum distribution, do you know what that means over your retirement years? Not just what it means at, you know, you know it's age 73, you know, when you begin, um, but also if you follow that plan 
until you're 90, 95, do I hear 100, what's happening? So you can always go back and listen to last week's podcast show. And and that, while I was using a, an example of $500,000 in the IRA, it, you know, now, <clears throat> but I remember I read that shock line, I read that, where here, here was the line, <clears throat> here was the news story. I'm 65 with more than three and a half million in my IRA. And I can't figure out how to spend it fast enough to avoid an RMD disaster. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, what problems? Right. You know, and, 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 and that just indicates the wealth gap we have in this country. Because this is a big problem, apparently. But, but Mark, for those people, it is a big tax problem. Okay, so I'm going to run the numbers, Carrie. Right. You asked for it. I'm I did. Give it to I'm you. just saying. I got the receipts. Okay, so, okay. so now what we're doing is... We're saying, okay, what happens? Let's say we take a 65-year-old couple, whatever, and they have three and a half million in mm-hmm. their IRAs. And I'm using that broadly. It could be obviously 403Bs, 401Ks, right. simple stuff. Any of these tax qualifieds. Yeah. Um, now, and they're just going to wait till 73 mm-hmm. to start required minimums. What does it look like? I'll start with a 5% rate of return. Okay. Okay. So at 65, they got three and a half million. Earning five percent at seventy three, now their balance has grown to five point one seven one. Okay, five, five million one hundred seventy one thousand. So, what's their first RMD? One hundred ninety five thousand. Mm. Going through a couple tax brackets, I'm assuming. Okay. Um, now, capital gains rates. <laughs> Irma, you know Medicare. Irma, right? Um, all right. Now, but let's say at age, what is happening by age ninety? Okay. Mm-hmm. Around their joint life expectancy. Okay. Okay. So a lot of people think, well, Mark, my IRA is going to be gone by the time I'm 90. Mm, if it's their joint life expectancy, guess what? Their balance is going to be higher than what they started. Maybe. Now, this okay. is where not at 5% in this case, Gary. Okay. At the lower IRA, right. it was. But now because of the how the math works. So now at age 90, the balance in their IRA... Well, it's going to be higher than that 65. Right. That, That's yes, what I meant. Okay, yeah. Not at higher when RMDs begin. Right. So at age 90, now there's $4.6 million in the okay. IRA. Remember, it started at three and a half right. when they went into retirement. Okay, four. And now what do you think the RMD is at that? 378000 Right, because as your life expect each year that denominator changes, and guess what? Your yeah. RMDs go up. And that's a general good rule of, remember, whatever your RMDs begin at age, whether it's age 73, 72, 75, whatever it is for you, and a 5% rate of return assumption, assume your RMDs are going to double by age 90. Okay. Um, now, but what if they're unlucky enough to get to age 95? Now, I'm sure their IRA is down to zero, right? Well, no, it's down to about $3.6 million. Mm. And now, though, the RMD is still going up. Now it's 406000 What is that doing to your tax return? But that's at 5%. What if I ran it at 6%? Here? It's going to look uglier. Okay. At 6%, at age 73, now your $3.5 million is $5.5 million. Mm. And your RMD year one is 210000 Dang. Okay. Now at age 90, at a 6% rate of return, now your IRA is still growing. Now it's at $5.85 million. And now your RMD is 480000 Okay. Now what if you get to 95? Okay. And and now it's coming down the balance. Now the balance is only $4.8 million. But this is at age 95. Right. Are you going to spend it then, Carrie? Nursing home. That could cover the- You could. I was going to say, you could yeah. have a great long-term the RMD, care stay. Yeah, the RMD is 539000 That should cover the nursing home bill. Mm, maybe then. I don't know. It might be even um, more. All right. But now, yeah, I, just, I know I'm going to go crazy here, Carrie, but what if, what if you possibly had the crazy idea that you could get a 7% rate of return? Okay. Now, because I just kind of went over what the, uh, what did I say the S&P was up here to date, Carrie? 17%. Yeah, but we can never get 7% again, right? Mm -hmm. No. And the NASDAQ's only up 35%. Well, we can never get 7% again. But let's just say, let's just go crazy and say, what if you could get 7%? Okay. All right. um, So now you're 3.5 million at 65 by age 73 when your RMDs begin. Now it's 6 million bucks. 
and your first year RMD is 227000 Okay. Um, by age 90, 7% rate of return following the RMDs. At age 90, you have 7400000 And now your RMD is 607000 right, per year. So many people don't fall I'm into that. I'm not done yet, Carrie. Okay. I'm going to go one more, then I'll let okay. you talk. 95. Okay. 7% return. Now you've got $6.3 million, almost $6.4 million. Now your RMD is 715000 per year. Go ahead. Yeah, definitely those people needed to look... You know, planning sooner and missed a huge opportunity if they waited. But whether you have five hundred thousand or three hundred thousand or three hundred and fifty thousand or three point five million, and you have a lot in assets and you stop working, you need to be looking at this issue. It's a huge opportunity where you can put yourself in a better position to possibly minimize future taxes, minimize your Medicare increase in premiums. I yeah. talked. I talked to someone the other night. They didn't know that Medicare had an increase in premiums because okay, right. she's still working. She said, what do you mean uh, um, an Irma, increase? Yeah. And I said, well, it's Income based on an ice center. She's like, I had no idea. And because of RMDs and the amount she has, now she only had because she also hasn't inherited from her mom, but she has, um, I think, a little under a half a million. But it's still going to cause, because she's a widow and an individual, it's still going to cause her going through possibly the second tier, two tiers between everything else. Yeah, I don't have time today, Kara, but I'm going to come back next week and say, yeah, if you're this level and you're worried about the IRMA adjustment, we call that for Medicare, that's the income-related monthly adjustment amount. I'm going to go over those scenarios next week. Mm-hmm. That's the IRMA trap, right? And, right. And again, but, but, so what are the solutions, Carrie? You mentioned them briefly, but let's, let's slow down on that a little bit. We've got a couple of minutes left here. So our first recommendation is why don't you spend it yourself? Right. Why are you waiting to age 73 to, to, to wind up with those types of numbers when you're 90 or 95? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. The, it, because you may want to start doing Roth conversions mm-hmm. now. Or when that window of opportunity, when you stop working before Social Security begins and stuff like right, that. Right. It's usually how much or at what level. Um, you can give your RMD away. Charity. Okay. We can talk about you know the qualified charitable distributions. You know that's available at age seventy and a half. Now currently the max is a hundred thousand per year per tax you know individual. Um, but the Secure Act 2.0, you know, starting next year, that 100K is going to go up by inflation factor. It's going to be mm-hmm. indexed for inflation. Also, beginning this year, you can make a one-time charitable distribution of up to $50,000 from an IRA to a charitable and remainder annuity trust. We call that a CRAT or a charitable remainder unit trust. We call that a CRUT or a charitable gift annuity. You know, and, and this is where you're getting it out of the tax wrapper at the lower uh, right. Trump tax rates and you're getting some money, you're getting a guaranteed income stream back. Um, you know, or if you really want to save that money for the kids, you might want to do an accelerated IRA distribution plan, and maybe you want to put it into an irrevocable life insurance trust and leverage the whole deal. Right. The life insurance guys love that plan. I'll talk All more right. about that. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Tune in next week for more Financial Food for Thought. For more information about the show, for estate planning or upcoming seminars, call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090. Thanks for listening.